This is why I love women's bodies. I love women's bodies so much. But with women's bodies, there's so many different ways to create pleasure and different levels of pleasure. Our guest today is the most in-demand bondage dominatrix in the Philippines. People refer to her as the queen of rope, a master of kink, and today she will be our guide to exploring another kind of scene in the bedroom that some of us may want to try out. So let's get straight to it. Hi, Joyen. Always a pleasure and pain. But the first question I have is BDSM. You know, this is something that I read maybe growing up on Cosmopolitan and we'd hear movies, but I don't exactly know what it is in detail. Can you tell us something about that? Okay, so BDSM is actually an acronym encompassing a lot, a lot of things. Um, It stands for bondage, discipline, domination, submission, sadism, masochism, and that is under the umbrella of what we call kink, which is, you know, basically a childhood joyous play with adult sexual privilege and really cool toys. Okay, so it's, it's us learning how to play again as adults, you know, with ourselves, with uh, other people, with props, with costumes, <laughs> with anything you can think about, really. Learning to play in the bedroom. And beyond, who says you can only play in the bedroom? (laughs) Okay. Why do you think people participate in this, in BDSM? I mean, the first impression, to be honest, when I hear, you know, sadomasochism, you're like scared, afraid. It's something that's perverted. Let's be honest. Um, There's a lot of, I guess, misconceptions or preconceived notions when it comes to BDSM. Uh, This only happens because we have you know, a lack of knowledge or lack of education when it comes to it, when in fact BDSM is actually rooted in very human things. It's rooted in psychology, humanity, um, what it means to really, you know, play and enjoy ourselves. Okay, perverted. Um, they say that, you know, being perverted means you're going outside of what's normal <laughs> when in fact BDSM is embracing, you know, what's normal to you because that's different from person to person. So I'm actually, I guess, if you put it that way, I'm actually a proud pervert. You know, we have this thing with words wherein, um, ooh, that's not allowed, ooh, that's deviant, ooh, that's bad, you know, but what's wrong with that when you're doing it consensually and responsibly? You're owning up to it, you know, you're being a discerning adult. Again, it's adult sexual privilege. Adults practice this um, responsibly. So what's wrong with that? <laughs> it's really fun. I, yeah, and I love everything that you said. I think, um, you know, people feel like they can't 
explore pleasure freely because there's a huge, let's say, stigma around it, especially in countries like the Philippines or in Southeast Asia where it's a bit controversial, right? Um, but the truth is our nature as human beings, you know, we should be able to explore and feel pleasure and say, you know, this is what I like. Exactly. Right In the bedroom, I think because of media, maybe it's as if people are supposed to, your partner is supposed to know what you want and you don't communicate it. And when we spoke earlier, um, you mentioned something important to me that, you know, kink or play or what you want in the bedroom and even outside needs to be communicated. How do you start communicating that? And, and what do you think is your, what would be your tip in dipping your toes into this BDSM and kink? Our toes, among other things. <laughs> okay, so one of the main reasons why um, BDSM or kink is misunderstood is because we see the middle part right away. We don't see the bookends of it. There's actually a lot of talking before and after uh, a session or a play session, a BDSM scene, a kink scene. Before you get into anything, it's your gift to yourself and your partner or partners <laughs> to talk about your goals and your expectations, your limits. These things have to be clear-cut, or if they're not clear-cut, it has to be understood that you know it's not clear-cut. There are basically rules to it. We like to call them guidelines instead of rules because as perverts and deviants, we kind of have a thing with <laughs> rules. Yeah, there are certain guidelines. Communication is one of them. So that's completely black and white communication. Um, I guess as Asians and as Filipinos, you know, we tend to be pretty vague with how we communicate. 100%, yeah. Right, right. Like, And it ultimately leads to unhappiness. Yeah, correct. It seems to me like it's a game almost. Can yes. you consider that? Yes, exactly. So um, because our definition of kink is play, right? It's, you know, it's a sort of game. You need rules to know, you know, when it's when somebody commits yes. a foul, red flag, um, whatever, yellow flag. I guess what I wanted to ask you also is how does somebody explore kink in a relationship? Just asking for a friend. <laughs> <laughs> wink, wink. <laughs> Under the name Bell. <laughs> <laughs> wink, wink. Okay. So uh, there is actually like a 1.5 hour class about this. But to summarize, to summarize, um, the steps would be, of course, to, um, and a useful tip would be not to, you know, jump the gun right away. Yeah. Especially if you're coming from um, what we like to call a vanilla relationship, which is a non-kink relationship. You feel like I'm in a vanilla relationship. Well, <laughs> sounds very vanilla already. Well, maybe you're a bit strawberry now that we're having this conversation. <laughs> I'm a bit stracciatella. <laughs> yeah, that's good. That's good. See, um, what you're doing actually um, with you and your sister, that this is one of the first steps to it you know it's first of all opening the conversation um, you have to ease uh, your partner or partners into it so you have to already be talking about sex and desires even you know in a softer way rather than you know starting with um, I want you to chain me up to the wall <laughs> you, know? you have to start really soft first and only you can tell like um, what your partners how, how to ease it into your partner Okay, so you have to sort of, it's, um, 
it's an experiment. It's an experiment at first. You have to think about what you like and how it would come across properly to them first. So it's a trial and error. Yeah, sort of, yes. The whole thing, actually, which is why, you know, you need to communicate consistently all throughout the scene is it is trial and error because anything could change. You could agree on one thing pre-session, change your mind during the actual session, and then change your mind again in post-session, which is why you have to keep communicating. I think what's difficult for us is communicating what your needs are and what your desires are because it's a very vulnerable state. Very Asian. <laughs> Asian and to say like, listen, this is what I like in the bedroom. Yeah. But yeah. the truth is, you know, your partner's not a mind reader. He or she doesn't know what you want and what makes you feel good, right? But, and even though you're in a relationship where it's safe and you've been together for so many years or, you know, you trust each other, it's still a part of you that almost you keep secret, right? So for most people, yeah. <laughs> for, no, for most people, and it's hard to kind of say like, listen, I like, I don't know, uh, on the top of my head, in the office, you know, that's a fantasy of mine, right? Because you see it in movies and, oh, it looks, it looks fun. It's something I want to explore because you feel ashamed. Why do people feel ashamed about their sexual desires and pleasures and kink? Because you feel like you're going to be judged by your partner? It's a lot of things. Uh, it's a very cultural thing for Asians, especially Filipinos, Catholic, Catholic nation, religion. It's got a lot to do with the things that we were brought up with, you know. So uh, we, it's hard learning or unlearning process to find ourselves and to remember how to play again. Yeah, I really want to learn to play in the bedroom, right? Exactly. It's, it's all exploration. I mean, I guess I just wanted to ask you, Joy, and also, how did you get started? Started? Did it just fall in your lap? Did Is it something you've always wanted to do? Very uh, interesting story. I didn't, you know, wake up one day and want to be a dominatrix. I wish, right? Um, it actually happened by accident. Everything happened by accident. I I was a film major in college, and I enrolled in this pre-thesis class, we had to come up with plates every week in a subject of our choice. And I guess, you know, the many influences that I had when I was younger, um, whether it's, you know, anime, suicide girls, deviant art, led me to pick rope bondage on nude androgynous bodies as my <laughs> pre-thesis topic, completely accidental. I started studying it, a lot of self-study on my own, a lot of digging up here in Manila's kink scene um, to try to... Manila has a kink scene. Like, how do I join that? I want to... So there's a a website that... It's it's like the social media for for kinksters. It's fetlife.com. So you can create an account there. It's basically like any social media platform, except it's more censored because they're, you know, they allow nudity among other things <laughs> there. So um, you can find, that's international, so you can find any local listings, groups, in case you're traveling to another country, you can search that country and see what's going on in that country. Internet, connecting people. I read, I read about like bondage and it was a Japanese art form where they used to tie up prisoners, right? And then it became an art, cre- creating knots and things like that. 
And is that something that you studied? Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's my specialty. My specialty is rope bondage. It does have Japanese roots. Um, it's called kinbaku, beautiful binding. There's a Japanese word for it. The verb is uh, shibari. Okay. There you go. There's and a long history to this. I mean, I love it. Long history, like um, Edo period, Edo Tokugawa period in Japan, Tokugawa period in Japan, and uh, it originated from the martial art called hojojutsu, yeah, which is what the samurai used to detain prisoners of war. Yeah, that's so so interesting that it has transformed and evolved into something that's pleasurable, right? From from an art form, from like the war to an art form, and then now it's in the bedroom. I wanted to ask you, Joy, and how do you like to play? Is that too intimate? You can just give a say for it if if I'm asking too. Oh, yeah. thank you, thank you for thank you for making sure I'm comfortable. See, that's the first step. Communicate. Okay. There. Yes, it's good. You're practicing that. Okay. <laughs> so, how do I play? Um, so I I play professionally. I'm a, I'm a professional dominatrix. So I do take um, I do take sessions i do sessions with clients okay so that's one way wherein i play i play the dominant all of the time um my, my specialty is rope bondage so it's very it's, it's very centered on that i also do striptease whether it's classy or you know very raunchy striptease <laughs> for them um depending on what they want there's there's impact play, there's candle wax, there's a whole lot of props, you know, it depends. It depends. There's strap-ons involved, a lot of power play. So that's what I do professionally. In the bedroom, I, I am in a long-term relationship. I've been with my partner for 10 years, a little more than 10 years. So he really, you know, witnessed the growth and the all of the all of the stuff you know all of the uh, internal conflicts as a as an asian woman living in asia he witnessed all of that um our our play or our intimate life has uh, changed definitely you know from the start of from the from year 1 now to year 10 it has grown and developed as we have you know it of course it started as um it, it started very, very uh, carnal, <laughs> as with the as with most uh, first dates go. It goes through a cycle, you know, up, ups and downs. And now I like to think that we're now at the point wherein I, we are so exposed to sex and tools and toys and all kinds of play. Now um, we're a bit more focused. We're a bit more focused on each other's needs and wants and how it varies. Sometimes the best thing about this, it is um, I, ha I can laugh. I can laugh with my partner during sex. We don't have to orgasm during sex. You know, it's more about bonding now, um, yeah. experimenting. There, yeah. So now, now it's the best, best time. <laughs> you know, you touched on the part where you said you don't have to orgasm. There is a lot of pressure on both parties to get that person to climax, right? Because you're, you... I guess, are being intimate and having sex to reach that climax. But how are you comfortable enough to reach that, that you, you know, you, you both don't have the climax and it's fine. You're going to be happy doing that. I mean, it's, it's something you talked about. Is it just because you've been together for so long? Um, is it because you like exploring different things, right? There's, there's a lot of pleasure, pressure with making the other person, 
I guess, climax. I don't know if that made sense. Yeah. Uh, again, it's a it's a cultural thing. It's a societal thing um, to want to orgasm all the time, and yeah. in the in the way that we know, uh, we commonly know also. But again, I am so exposed to sex. <laughs> like, yeah. it's like food. You know, it's it's like food to me. Maybe maybe you know some clients would require that uh it's about again talking about goals and expectations and limits is it our goal to orgasm well, what's the goal of the play session what's the goal of the uh, what's the goal of our sexual act uh this evening um do you want to orgasm is it a thing uh if if you're like me and you're exposed to it all the time there are many, so many more things that you can explore within the human body and beyond and beyond. Orgasming, it's um and het- and the heterosexual sex act. Yeah. It's pretty common. It's pretty common. When you're doing it for a living and when you're um experiencing it every day, you, you kinda wanna get creative. <laughs> yeah, it's not just that's it. It's kind of, it'll get boring. I guess one thing I wanted to ask you also was, so if, so basically you, you would tie up your clients. I just want to figure that out. Uh, yeah. If that is my specialty, that is the, uh, my main uh, offering. That is my main offering. So when clients go to me, they kind of expect that. Yeah. Yeah. And then you're kind of, you, Okay. And do you also have like female clients who want that? Oh, no, yes. yes, across the it's across the spectrum. I am uh, I am LGBTQ, MNLOP plus <laughs> friendly. Um, most of I'm I'm actually queer. I'm a, I'm a queer dominatrix, and my preference to play with it are females. Oh wow! Okay. Although let's be honest, you know. But what are your pronouns? Ah. Thank you. Thank you again for asking. So my pronouns are perceived. You can call me anything you want. <laughs> okay, cool. I guess one thing I also wanted to ask you was, how would, if somebody was listening to us talking right now, could you describe or help them visualize what a session with you would be? Okay. All right. So it starts with an online interaction. Okay. So before before we even get into the session, um, I usually require applicants to fill up a form or send me a well-structured email, personalized, straight to the point, respectful, and a tip. <laughs> yeah. I do, you know, that's the best way to catch um, my attention. You tip and you send me a letter. You send me a wonderful letter. Actually, you know, similar to what to what Alva did, she wrote this beautiful um, inv- invite to me on Instagram. So that that's you know really um, the way to catch my attention. Now, before the session happens, before the session happens, we have to meet in a neutral public setting to talk about limits and expectations. So I'm not dressed up like this yet. I'm dressed up, you know, in normal everyday clothing. Um, well, street legal. We call it street legal <laughs> clothing. And we, uh, well, pre-pandemic, pre-pandemic, we, we would meet in a coffee shop to, you know, to talk about um, what we like, what we don't like, what we're curious about. You know, both parties, what we want to feel, 
um, and think during the session. We talk about all of those things first before any sort of play. Like objectives or something. Yeah, yeah, objectives and limits. Okay. Always think about the limits, especially um, since I, I, I am based here in the Philippines and um, kink is not, you know, very widely understood yet. Correct. I tend to work with, I tend to work a lot with beginners. So usually at the start, they don't know what they want and what they don't want yet. Yeah. Yeah. They don't know how to define their limits yet. Yeah. Um, yeah. You're right. It's hard to kind of say, this is exactly what I want. Yeah, exactly. Because we're not, you know, culturally, we don't get asked that. <laughs> yeah. Something to think about. I mean, how about you? Like, what do you want to happen during a session? So That's a good question. Um, one thing I was thinking about is, let's say you were talking about striptease, right? And introducing toys in the bedroom. You need to be fully comfortable with your body and you need to be fully comfortable with your partner. So right now, like I just gave birth and it's difficult for me to see my body in the mirror. I'll be honest. So I could never picture myself doing a striptease, at least right now, <laughs> because I just, I feel awkward and uncomfortable. So that's something I would guess I would love to tackle in a relationship or introducing play and things like that. How your body plays a big role and how you feel about your body plays a big role into what you're willing to explore. Does it make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know what? You don't have to be fully comfortable with your body. I don't think anyone is. Okay. Oh, um, but you have to accept. You get it? You understand? Like, um, I, I tend to, for example, I tend to like myself up here, right? I hate showing my toes. Yeah, okay. It's a hard limit for me. Yeah, yeah exactly. we have our insecurities. Yeah, correct. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, even the most uh, beautiful person in the world hates some part of their body. And, you know, the moment that you accept that and you're able to communicate that, hey, um, for example, in your case, hey, I, I am interested to do a striptease, um, but I just gave birth. I'm not very comfortable about this part of my body, you know, but my mind is there. Yeah. What are the steps that I can take, you know, to be able to get there? And are you willing to support me as my partner? Yeah. Wow. That is so like a weight off my shoulder, you know? Get into it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And then, or like, for example, I guess you said a while ago, introducing a sex toy. What, how do you, how do you even bring that up with your partner? Right. Is so, it what I found yeah, so Asians are very, actually everyone, everyone, um, it's a very human thing to sort of view a sex toy as um, it's a sort of criticism. Is it because I can't perform as a partner? Yeah, yeah. So there's that tendency for it to look like, um, like a critique, um, like, a, like an insult even. So again, you know, we have to frame it. It's all about framing and uh, what do you call this? Creating the proper setup. So again, rather than, you know, swing it, swinging it out first thing in the morning, <laughs> you have to ease them into it. You have to already talk about things. You have to talk about sex already. You have to make it sort of like an everyday habit. Maybe, you know, just for a week, for five minutes after dinner, talk about sex slowly. Yeah. Talk about your needs slowly. Yeah. Okay. And then 
maybe maybe try to have sex maybe um the next day ask him gently ask them gently about the toy but be careful about how you frame it how you, not, how you word it not what you say it's how you say it yeah yeah and when and when what your setup is right so maybe say it like um instead of a declarative statement turn it into a question yeah have you ever do you want do you want to do you want to watch me masturbate Remember yeah. when you did that thing last night? There's a sex toy that I want to try with it. You, you, you get it? Yeah. So it doesn't sound like a critique. It sounds like some something, an enjoyable experience that the both of you can have. Yes, we'll explore together. We'll explore together because I like that thing that you did. You know, bring them into the conversation. Don't say that, you know, be very careful about criticizing um, sexual performance. <laughs> very sensitive topic and very especially also men they have egos right and that can affect their performance or their libido and and cause them stress i want to talk about masturbation because nobody ever talks about masturbation and i know that i think you have like a masturbation class do you teach it what is it it's mind boggling to me but i'm so interested in it and i want to know more about it. <laughs> Not alone. So um, May was actually masturbation month. So we had a series of workshops just about that, like masturbation. I also have, you know, my own assumptions and my own preconceived notions. Um, I thought that, you know, everybody masturbated when in fact they don't. So that class was born out of, you know, me and my girlfriends talking. And I got super surprised to hear when they asked me, um, so how many times in a week should I masturbate? And I was scandalized. I was like, a week? Yeah. <laughs> how many times a day? <laughs> <laughs> okay. That, that's why it happened. Um, it's, a, it's an introduction to masturbation because apparently Filipinos need it, especially the women. It starts again, I like to start my, I like to start my lectures with mindset. Mindset first. Always, you know, goals, expectations. What's your why? Why, why are you going to do it? Why are you going to do it? Why, why are you curious? You have to really, you know, be honest with yourself, whether the desires are perverted or not. It's the same with the body issues, you know. What do you call this? Whether, whether you, you like certain parts of yourself or not, you have to write it down, accept it, try to accept it, try to manage them. Okay, so it starts with that, the mindset. And then, you know, we get into the really fun part wherein um, I introduce different kinds of sex because there's not, you know, there are different kinds of sex. You, you can have sex with, with your hands, with a sex toy. There are nipple orgasms. There are prostate orgasms. There's so many different, different types of that and different tools and toys that can help you out because I like, you know, although this is one thing, you know, to, to be able to do um, self sex manually but i like my props <laughs> so yeah. I, I also um i also gave um an introduction to sex toys and tools there because nowadays for example you go into a sex shop or let's say a, a sex shop store online online and then you're just confused yeah. <laughs> right yeah. I, I, 
I want to help myself, but what are all these things, right? So that's part of the lecture. I, I told them about it. Um, I told my students about that a lot, you know, but it's got a lot to do with personalizing and finding what works for you. And, oh, debunking myths also. There's a lot of, there are a lot of myths when it comes to masturbation that I had to debunk. Like, um, masturbation is, um, uh, very Filipino, masturbation will make you go blind. <laughs> masturbation will make uh, the, the vaginal lips loose or it will result to poor sexual performance or masturbation is cheating if you're in a in a romantic or sexual relationship there are a lot of myths that you know these are the things that ultimately prevent us from taking our journey in self-pleasure why would you promote masturbation i just wanted to ask like to women i mean but women it's something taboo nobody talks about it even amongst my friends everybody is like giggling but i'm sure they want to explore it but why would you promote it? How can you talk about what you like to your partner if you don't know yourself first? Oh my God. Okay. That's mind blowing to me. <laughs> yeah. Because, you know, the interesting part, this is why I love women's bodies. I love women's bodies so much. Um, men, are, men are great. Okay. No disrespect to the men. But, you know, I can be animalistic with them and just jerk them off then you know it's done it's finished but with women's bodies there's so many different ways to create pleasure and different levels of pleasure right i'm sure the men have it too i just have a bias but like there there's so many ways there's a g-spot there's a clitoral orgasms there's an anal orgasm nipple it's so many there's so many so and all you have to do really is to explore yeah okay I'm like, I should write down notes. You know, my cousin introduced me to vibrators later on in my 20s. And I was just so ashamed. And I was like, it's, it's like a secret, a dirty little secret that you have, right? So what would you tell women who want to get one, I guess, who want to explore, but they feel like what you said, ashamed. Um, they, have to, they feel like they have to hide it from their partners. They're cheating. They don't deserve have one a vibrator or feel that pleasure what is something you can you can tell them to to encourage them i guess there's so much there's i don't know if it's a stigma or if it's shame or if it's both that comes with exploring that part of your life there's a lot yeah there's a lot it comes with reflecting you know reflecting it, this and this is different for every person i would tell those women to reflect first and distribute it to somewhere else in your life. Does that make sense? Can we try it? So, yeah, yeah. Question, um, why am I ashamed to buy a vibrator? Okay, so I'll answer, right? Yeah. Because I'm scared my partner will see it. Why? Because he will think he doesn't perform or give me pleasure. Why? Because it's a tool that I use to have to pleasure myself and, um, you know, something that he can't do for me. Why? Because I'm doing it alone and I'm doing it without him and it's almost like I'm cheating. Why? Because he's not present. Why? Because I'm ashamed. I feel I, it's an intimate act between me and myself. Why? Because I'm ashamed of what he will think of me 
if I own it or if I have it. Why? Because it's not common practice during sex or an intimate act to have a sex toy. Why? Because we're only supposed to be doing it with each other. Why? Because we're supposed to give each other pleasure and not seek it from any external thing. Why? I don't know, because that's how it's supposed to be. That's your reason. Did you hear how how passive you were and how you were referring to society, how it's supposed to be, this is what's expected of me? It's cultural. Yeah, it's true. It's ingrained in us and we don't, we can't necessarily pinpoint why we feel that way. It's cultural. It's cultural. If you were to uh, really drill down, drill down the reason for most, if not all of your whys, it's society and culture. And you're so insightful. I love talking to you. (laughs) Like it even goes beyond sex and kink and play it's so much to do with our like psychological being and how we- yeah it's about humanity yeah power yeah it is so you would say like i guess bdsm is about power play yeah and if i were inter- to introduce bdsm you know into the bedroom how do i start just before we end because you know how do i start is it how would I start to introduce BDSM into the bedroom? Not just me, for people who are listening. You're always scared as a as your partner on how they're going to react to it, right? Yeah. There's but a that, lot of vulnerability and trust involved, but then aren't they worth it? Yes, they are. Yeah. Isn't it worth exploring? Yeah. I guess my last takeaway from what you said is it's how you frame it because you're not there to attack their performance. You want both of you guys to experience pleasure, not just you. So one thing I would say is a barrier is what if your partner doesn't want to talk about their uh, pleasures or fantasies, if they're not comfortable with that? How do you get that out of them? Is it you talking about your own fantasies first and then your turn? (laughs) Again, it it depends. It depends again for, for each relationship. Like we would have to carefully dissect you know each relationship but ultimately um again some people come into this no pun intended sorry some people come into this you know thinking that it's going to be the best fantasy ever okay so that's another myth that's another myth you have to come into this thinking like an adult there there will be disagreements there will be mishaps it won't go exactly according to plan 100% of the time and one of the scenarios that could happen is your partner could be unreceptive to this that's perfectly normal and it's up to you because it's your gift okay it's your gift of sexual love sexual pleasure that you want sexual experience that you want to share with them it's up to you how to wrap it save it for some other time rewrap it reframe it until you find that um, thing that will make them click. Only you can know your partner for sure. I can give tips, I can give tips, you know, but ultimately you're the one who has to sit them down, if they prefer it that way, has to sit them down and uh, talk to them about it. It's a very personal thing. Yeah, Um, I, I like what you said that 
it's not going to be the best fantasy. You know, when you talk about role play, it's like, oh my gosh, it's going to be exciting. It's like in this movie we watched or it's like in this porno where, you know, they have like dirty Latina maids and you come in, you know, you have a fantasy and then it's like reality versus expectation because you have to work on it, right? In order for it to get to that level, you need to work on it and say, okay, this didn't work last time. Maybe we'll ditch, I don't know. Or the chair or the striptease and we'll go straight to role play and that's hard because you have to also like after the entire scene you have to post analyze with your partner that's something that we often forget to do oh gosh, like a debrief yeah you really have to debrief oh wow that's not something that is common yeah you kind of just sleep I, like it. I really liked it when you did this yeah <laughs> like, but it's very yeah. helpful you know it gives you notes Feedback is the number one thing that helps a person improve. And that, that's exactly. yeah. But people aren't, don't talk about it. Yeah, where it matters the most. Yeah. The last oh. thing I wanted to tackle with us was, you know, in the Philippines, we don't have sex education. So the only thing we know about sex is either from our friends, our peers, or let's be honest, watching porn. Yeah, yeah. You watch porn, you're like, oh, this is how it's supposed to be. And you have this certain standard of, you know, women enjoying so much. And, you know, like, it, it's just not reality, <laughs> right? I was reading this book and it talks about how porn is people's kind of first introduction into what sex is. And then when they don't meet that, they're like, I'm abnormal. You know, yep. I don't look like this. This is not how we look when we do it. And that constructs a reality. It does. So there's a lot of pressure on on somebody who's exploring and people. And I want to talk about, I guess, porn. How does that play a role in not only intimacy, but in kink, in play, in BDSM? Is that something encouraged or is some, that, that something discouraged? Or are you just neutral to that? It depends on everyone's individual preferences. Um, I love porn. I love all kinds of porn. Um, I have a preference for animated porn. <laughs> Okay, so Japanese hentai. Um, I like, I like those better. Those get me off better than um, than human beings, <laughs> actual human beings. So if you think you're weird, don't worry. There's always somebody weirder than you. <laughs> it's true. Like we feel, we don't want to verbalize what, let's say, turns us on because we're yeah. like ashamed. Yeah. Right. But then you, I love how you are. You're just so positive about everything. You're like. Hentai turns me on, and this is what I want. It's so brave. Well, it's, I, I think it's natural, and I think it's human. Yeah. A lot of us have forgotten how to be human and how to be natural. Yeah. So just to end, I guess, how would people reach out to you if they wanted to connect with you, if they wanted to try it out? You said writing a letter and giving a tip. Is it on Instagram? Yeah, um, so for now, uh, you, I guess any, I'm still on Google. I think I'm still on Google. So you can Google maybe Joy and Manila Joy in Philippines and you'll land on my Patreon, my Instagram. What else is there? Maybe my website. Yeah, my website is the longest standing one because um, we're currently facing, um, you know, being taken off, being shadow banned on social media platforms. So um there's that, like my Facebook got taken down, but I think mostly they can just Google me and 
connect with me through a well-written email and a tip. <laughs> All right. I'm. Thank you so much for taking the time and really just educating me and whoever is listening on this. I, I, I don't think this is going to be the last we're going to talk to you. There's um, so many. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's so many things. Like I want to privately message you and be like, Joyan, can you help me with this? Yeah. Yeah. Let's do it, man. 